Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, we are now in week three of our five-week sermon series entitled, as it says up here on the graphic, What Does the Bible Say? And so if you're new to our church or if you're just joining us today, I'll remind us that in these sermons, in these messages, we are using the truth of Scripture, the Bible, um, to evaluate and determine the merit behind some of the most common Christian cliches that we hear nowadays. Um, So far in these sermons, we have looked at two cliches. First, everything happens for a reason. And second, God helps those who help themselves. And so we come now this morning in this sermon to the third cliche. It's up here. Uh, Let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. Of all the cliches that we are looking at, of all the cliches that we are exploring, examining, this one may be the most popular. Typically, we say the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, to someone who is suffering or going through a difficult season. Uh, Maybe this person just lost a job. Maybe this person is having trouble paying all their bills. Maybe this person just received a discouraging diagnosis from their physician, and this diagnosis really scares them. Uh, Maybe this person is having marital problems or problems with their children. Or perhaps this person is just going through an overall tough season, difficult season. We say this cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle to encourage this person, to lift up their spirits. Hey, listen, you can handle what you're going through right now. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult, but you can handle all this. You know why? Because God gave it to you and God knows you best. God knows you better than anybody in this world. God won't give you more than you can handle. This cliche is so popular that it has even made its way into contemporary Christian music. Uh, Christian musical artists uh, have even written songs centered on it. For example, uh, back in the year uh, 2012, uh, 11 years ago, a band called Group One Crew, uh, G-R-O-U-P, Group, the number one, and then Crew, C-R-E-W, Group One Crew, Uh, This band released a song uh, titled, He Said, just two words, He Said. Uh, The he in the title is referring to God. In other words, God said. And this song, He Said, is actually inspired by the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle. And so I want to invite you to listen to the lyrics of this song. Uh, This song, for the longest time, it would play on Z88.3, which is the Christian radio station here in Orlando. The song goes like this. So your life feels like it don't make sense. And you think to yourself, I'm a good person. So why do these things keep happening? Why you got to deal with them? You may be knocked down now, but don't forget what he, he said. I won't give you more, more than you can take, and I might let you bend, but I won't let you break. 
The song goes on. Who you are ain't what you're going through, so don't let it get the best of you, because God knows everything you need, so you ain't got to worry. You may be knocked down now, but just believe what he said. He said, I won't give you more, more than you can take, and I might let you bend, but I won't let you break. I'm sure if we heard the song being played right now, it might be familiar to some of us here. Now, since the song is based on the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, uh, I decided to learn the inspiration behind it. What led these artists to write this song? And so I did some digging online, and I came across an interview from 2012. Uh, the interview came out just after the song, or the interview was conducted just after the song was released. And so in this interview, uh, one of the band members talks about why they wrote this song. This is what she said. It's so true in the lyrics that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. It's in these trying moments when you're facing things that you feel are going to break you that you need to remember what he's promised you and what he said. That's what this song is all about. I want to pause for a moment and think about all this. Now, I want to be clear. I think that everybody has good intentions, and I don't want us to be critical, but I do want us to think critically. I think there's a difference between being critical and thinking critically, um, because songs do shape our thinking. They shape our thoughts, our theology, our understanding of God. That's why here at this church, um, our uh, musicians, Tamara and Chris Kovic, they do such a good job, and they work so hard to make sure that the songs we sing, the hymns that we sing, are picked out really well. So songs shape our thoughts about God. So this song is entitled, he said, and the song, according to the artist in this interview, is about what God has said, what God has promised us, that he won't give us more than we can handle. So that raises an important question. Where did God say this? Where did God say in the Bible, the church's book, that he won't give us more than we can handle? Well, the truth is, God didn't say this. The cliche, and this is the first point I want to bring out, the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, is based on a misreading of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And so I want to invite you to listen carefully to what the writer, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, and we'll talk more about him, uh, he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, one of the premier writers of the New Testament. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 13, he says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is where the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, comes from. People read this verse, and they assume that Paul is talking about suffering. Paul is talking about trials, difficult seasons. But if we look carefully, that's not what Paul is talking about. Can we bring up that verse again, please? What is Paul talking about here? Say it louder. Temptation. God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So now that we know what Paul said, it's worth asking another question. What was going on historically that led the Apostle Paul 
to pen these words. Paul must have had a reason under the inspiration of God to write these words. So why did Paul write these words? Well, keep in mind, and we talked about this last week, uh, that Paul was a missionary. He traveled extensively around the Mediterranean world, spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and planting churches. Well, around 51 AD, 51 AD, so about 18 years after Jesus or so, um, Paul established a church in Corinth, uh, just off the coast of Greece. Now, here's what we need to know about Corinth. Corinth was the party city of the ancient world. Anybody ever been to New Orleans during Mardi Gras? You don't have to raise your hand. Or you know how Las Vegas has a slogan? What's the slogan for Las Vegas? What happens in Vegas? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, folks, I kid you not, Corinth, 2,000 years ago, had a similar slogan. You know what the slogan was? Can you say this word with me? It's up here in the monitor. That's a big word. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Corin theosathai. Corin theosathai. Uh, in English, that literally means to live like a Corinthian. That's a pretty good marketing slogan, isn't it? Imagine that on a mug or a commercial. Come to Corinth. Live like a Corinthian. Well, what does it mean to live like a Corinthian? Well, the slogan was basically synonymous with drunkenness, wild living, loose living, having no sexual boundaries. And so for people living in Corinth who were a part of this congregation that Paul had established, there were all kinds of temptations around them that they had to deal with. And some of these Christians succumb to these temptations. You know how we know this? Paul talks about this in the letter. For example, in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's in chapter 5, Paul talks about a man who was having a sexual relationship with his stepmom. In chapter 11, he talks about people getting drunk off the wine for Holy Communion. Messed up stuff was going on. Sometimes people will say, oh, we, we should be a New Testament church. Well, clearly these folks haven't read 1 Corinthians. <laughs> this was a messed up church. All kinds of dysfunction, in large part because these Christians had succumbed to all these various temptations. And so Paul, in chapter 10, and he does this, Paul is such a brilliant writer, he does this within a larger context. He's like an attorney in the way that he writes. He's talking in chapter 10 about idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is giving our hearts and our lives to things other than God. Uh, John Calvin, a theologian, he once said that the human heart is a factory of idols, uh, giving our hearts and our lives to things other than God. So he's talking about idolatry. Well, as he's doing this, he goes on to talk about temptation. And he says, now listen, in verse 13, I know that there are all kinds of temptations around you by virtue of where you live, but what you've got to understand is that these temptations are no different from what other Christians are encountering. And God is faithful. God loves you. God is invested in you. God is not going to allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. God didn't cause the temptation. Uh, James tells us that God doesn't tempt us. God didn't cause the temptation, but God is also not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, because it's going to happen, God will show you a way out. That's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He's not talking about suffering. He's not talking about trials. And so the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, is based on a misreading of Scripture. However, and this is the second point I want to bring out, 
not only is it based on a misreading of Scripture, but in my conviction, this cliche is also based on a misunderstanding of God, a misperception of God, because it assumes that God is the author of suffering. What are the first four words of the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle? God won't give you. Not even God won't allow, that would be different. God won't give you. In other words, if you're suffering, God gave you that suffering. God is behind that suffering. God is the one who made you lose your job. God is the one who made your child die in that accident. God is the one who gave you that cancer. And unfortunately, there are a lot of folks out there who hold to this view of God. When I was in my last year of seminary, um, I did a unit of what's called CPE, CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. I know Pastor Well also did a unit of CPE uh, when he was a seminary student. He actually did it at the same hospital that I did it at, uh, Carolina Hospitals in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Well, in CPE, you basically act as a minister or a chaplain in a hospital setting, uh, offering comfort and care to patients and their family members. Well, on my unit, uh, there was this one particular boy. He was a patient. He was four years old. And the reason this four-year-old boy was a patient is he was suffering from a rare bone marrow disorder. And so whenever I'd go to see him in his room, I would have to wear a mask, gown, gloves. I had a suit up. And I never got to talk to that little boy because he was always asleep when I'd go in the room. So what I would do is I would pray over his bed. And on a few occasions, I got to talk to his mom as she sat there. And in talking to his mom, I found out that a sick child was not the only thing that she was dealing with. This mom also had a daughter. It was in middle school. And the daughter had just been suspended because she had gotten into a fight. She was having behavioral issues. The mom suspected that the daughter was having these behavioral issues because she was spending so much time at the hospital and she was also spending so much time at work because she was working two jobs just to keep up with all the hospital bills, all the treatment. And then on top of all this, well, where was the father? He just took off. He left when that little boy got sick. His mom was dealing with a lot. I was 23 years old, seminary student, and talking to her. I just felt so inadequate. I felt so helpless. All I could do was listen and pray. Well, during one of the visits, as we got ready to pray, she turns to me, and I'll never forget this. She said, you know, I really wish God wouldn't make me suffer so much. And I said, well, say more about that. And she said, you know, I, I get it. I'm an imperfect person. I've made mistakes in my life. I've made some really poor choices. I think what we're going through right now is the result of all that, a punishment from God. I don't like to tell people how to think, right? I don't think that's necessarily my place. But I felt the Spirit saying to me in this moment, challenge this. And so I did as best I could, and 
we talked more about God. And in the midst of that conversation, it occurred to me that so many of us, we have this assumption that if we're suffering, God must be behind our suffering, maybe because of what we've done in life or simply because God, for whatever reason, has decided to give us this suffering. And so, folks, let me assure us, let me remind us that our portrait of God, our understanding of God does not come from what we're going through. Rather, our portrait of God comes from a human being, God incarnate, Jesus Christ. The Apostle John, my favorite writer of the New Testament, he was a disciple of Jesus. He captured this truth so well in the opening of his gospel. This is from John chapter 1, uh, verse 18. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, he's talking here about Jesus, the Son, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus has revealed God to us. Jesus has shown us God, which means that when we see Jesus, we see God in God's entirety, in God's fullness. It's not that some of God was in Jesus. All of God was in the person of Jesus Christ. So given all this, let me ask us a question. When Jesus came among us 2,000 years ago, did Jesus go around making people sick? How many people did Jesus make sick? Zero. How many people did he heal? Countless. How many demons did he exercise? A lot. Well, when Jesus came among us, did he go around making storms? No, he calmed storms. He demonstrated sovereignty over creation. When Jesus came among us, did he go around taking human life? No, Jesus gave his own life for all of us on the cross. Folks, if we're suffering, we shouldn't necessarily assume that God is behind our suffering. Rather, I am fully convinced that suffering is a sign that we live in a broken world. This world is broken, isn't it? A world that has fallen because of sinfulness. Uh, a world that God is redeeming in Jesus Christ and that God will one day fully redeem when Jesus returns in the future. But until then, all of us experience suffering in a variety of ways. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your past is. Uh, I don't care what kind of life you've led. If you're a Christian, not a Christian, religious, not religious, spiritual, not spiritual, none of us are immune from the effects of suffering. None of us are. I know that doesn't necessarily sound encouraging or uplifting, but you know what? It's true. And so the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, is based on a misreading of Scripture. It's based on a misunderstanding of God because of what it assumes. But there's another point, too. This cliche is also not true because the fact of the matter is we do encounter situations that we can't handle, don't we? People in the Bible did, too. For instance, the Apostle Paul uh, who wrote 1 Corinthians, well, he also wrote 2 Corinthians, an additional letter that he wrote to this congregation. Listen with me to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, as he describes uh, the trial that he and his companions faced on a missionary journey. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We think you ought to know, he's talking here to this congregation, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. 
And we thought that we would never live through it. It's ironic that we attribute the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle to the Apostle Paul, because Paul says in this verse, hey, listen, my companions and I, my friends and I, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. If that's not enough, listen to what David says. And there are other passages we could talk about, but just listen to what David says in Psalm 38, verse 8. David went through a lot of suffering over the course of his life. Uh, Saul tried to kill him at one point. His own son Absalom uh, betrayed him and went after him. This is what David says in Psalm 38, verse 8. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Maybe the reason the biblical writers didn't say God won't give us more than we can handle is because, frankly, they knew that wasn't true. We do find ourselves in situations that we can't handle. When we find ourselves in these difficult waters, the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, rather than being helpful, it can actually have the opposite effect. It can induce feelings of guilt and shame and embarrassment. We feel as if we're not strong enough, our faith isn't adequate enough, that we don't have enough security or trust in God. Earlier this week, as I was working on the sermon, I came across a webpage in which a pastor uh, challenged this cliche. I'm not the first pastor who has done this. Plenty of pastors have done this. But a pastor challenged this cliche as bad theology. Well, there was a woman named Barbara who wrote to this pastor. This is what she said in the comments section. I have been having a very hard time with that cliche and feeling like a failure as a Christian because I felt like I'm not strong enough. I lost my sister to cancer, and then my baby sister in Iraq, and this June, I lost my oldest child. God have mercy. How many people did she lose? Three. Back to back to back. Tonight, I decided to start searching to see if it was Scripture, and I know that God led me to your page, and it has helped to take away the guilt of feeling like a bad Christian because I'm having such a hard time dealing with the loss of my child. Well-meaning, well-intentioned people said, God won't give you more than you can handle, probably because they didn't know what else to say, but they said this to this woman to, to help her. Instead of helping her, all it did was exacerbate her suffering. So folks, can we drop this cliche and this platitude? Let's just be real. We do find ourselves in situations that we can't handle. God's promise to us is that while he didn't cause these situations, he's also going to see us through them. Remember what David said in the most famous Psalm, Psalm 23? Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David doesn't simply say, yea, do I walk into the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, do I walk through. God's going to see us through, offering his comfort, his support, his guidance, his love. In a profound way that Almighty God does this, a profound way through which God offers his presence and his guidance and his support and his love when we're suffering, when we're going through a difficult season, is through the church, the body of Jesus Christ in this world, Christian community, that when we're not strong enough to handle what we're going through, God sends people upon whom we can lean and depend. Have you ever experienced this? I certainly have. 
Some years ago, I hit a wall where I was just spent emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I was running on empty. I didn't have great boundaries. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking time off like I should have been. I wasn't observing Sabbath. And I felt like I was just putting out one fire after another, after another, after another. I was exhausted. I was irritable. You can ask Amanda about that. I remember one evening, it was Sunday night, uh, we had had a pretty full day at the church, and I was hungry, decided that I was going to make some ramen noodles. So I took the noodles, put them in the bowl, put the bowl in the microwave. I forgot to add water, which is an important ingredient. <laughs> so what happened? Well, the noodles started to burn. Smoke was coming from the kitchen. I think the smoke alarm went off. And Amanda said to me, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. I am not thinking clearly. I went to bed, woke up, and I thought to myself, okay, it's Monday morning. It's the start of a new work week. I'm going to get a jump start on my sermon for the week. So I had some breakfast, had my coffee, and sat on the couch, had my laptop, started to write my sermon. Nothing would come out. I, I, I tried and I tried and I tried. Nothing would come out. An hour went by. I looked at the clock on my computer and I thought, I'm just wasting my morning here. This is such a waste of time. I felt like crying. We were in the season of Advent and we were doing a sermon series on the themes of Advent. What are the themes of Advent? Uh, hope, peace, joy, love. Well, the theme that Sunday was joy. I thought, well, this is ironic. Here I am. I'm supposed to preach a sermon on joy. I don't have any joy right now. I felt God whispering to me, hey, take a break. Listen to your soul. You need to reach out for help. You need to have somebody else preach this Sunday. I thought, well, I can't do that because... Uh, well, you know, it's Christmas time, and I'm going to take some time off after Christmas, and it'll just look bad for me to take time off right now. And then I felt God say to me, you should have taken time off weeks ago. You need to take some time off right now. I'm stubborn. I continue to resist. But then I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. I went for a walk. And I felt God continue to say that into my spirit reach out for help. And so I, I called a friend of mine who's a pastor. I told him what was going on. He's a pastor. He gets it. He said to me, let me rearrange my schedule. I'll come to worship this weekend. I'll preach a sermon on joy. And he did. It was a great sermon. It taught me something important. The church doesn't depend all on me. Thank God. Praise God for that. Ministry continues to happen. But that one act, him preaching that sermon, that gave me the space that I needed to rest, to care for myself, to be more available to my family and to the congregation. But that was a situation I couldn't handle. God handled it for me through the help of my friend and colleague. 
I love what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Jesus Christ? To love. What did Jesus say when he was in the upper room right before he was crucified? Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus demonstrated his love when he took our burdens on the cross. And now he calls and invites and empowers us to carry the burdens of our sisters and brothers. And so I want to end my sermon this morning with an alternative to the cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle. When we encounter situations that we can't handle, which we have and we will, God handles them for us, especially through the love and the support of others. That's the message of the Bible. We will encounter circumstances that are hard and beyond our ability to endure, but God is right there beside us. God does not leave us. God does not forsake us. God does not abandon us. And God will show up through the love and support of others. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your goodness. This world is hard. We experience suffering in different ways. We experience trials in different ways. And so, God, when we find ourselves in these tough waters, remind us to reach out, to look to the people that you have put into our lives for help and support and guidance. We do find ourselves in situations that we can't handle. But thank you, God, that you handled them for us. We praise you for this. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.